www.youngtgirl.com you just click on the pictures there they are actually free videos and I upload them update them I should say every week um, they'll appear differently depending on whether you're on a um, traditional computer like a laptop or your PC or if you're on a mobile device if you're on a you'll get more video free videos if you're on a PC you click on the pictures uh, you may have to enable the Adobe plugin it's free you enable that and the videos will automatically start playing for you if you're on a mobile device you just click pictures and you'll see the option there to let the videos play or um, you can click on the mobile movie links on either platform and um, they're the little blue charms they say mobile movie and you'll um, the movies can play for you that way I update those every week you can check those out you can make a donation get a subscription or just check out the free stuff all of the above are very much appreciated thank you so um, that's that side of me the naked side and uh, as you can see about what's going on here on the screen is um, what we do here with the naked truth and that's actually focused on the spiritual side um, of all of us and it's there whether you believe it or not and in case you do believe it that's what we do we focus on what Jesus has to say about any given subject that he took time to go over before he was crucified and even after the resurrection because there's lessons even there after that um, after he rose so um, this is obviously for believers so if you like feel free to read along with me and um, we'll pick up where we left off we're in the book of Luke that's thunder yeah it's um like the summer thunderstorms rolling through so hopefully you can still hear me over that um, we're on, gonna we left off in the book of Luke um, chapter 10 and um, this is the passage that st stood out to me from it um, among others then he turned to his disciples and said privately so this is a message Jesus is giving directly to the disciples blessed are the eyes which see the things you see so he's saying God bless them for their witness to the things that they're seeing in Jesus that is and walking walking with him I'm almost tempted to stop the lesson it's lightning and thundering so much uh, reading I should say um, so anyway if that if I end up disconnecting you can guess that's probably why God forbid so he's saying blessed are their eyes for they're getting to witness the things that are happening right before them that Jesus is doing for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it so he's letting them know that um, this sort of I chose this passage because it sort of but buttresses something I said before in a passage where Jesus said that um, there's some standing there who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come and I told you there's the possibility that at some point in the future I think that what Jesus is saying there at some point in the future time travel became possible and one of the one of the most requested times I would think that people would want to if time travel became a reality if it already it already isn't a reality or hasn't been at some point in the past but if it becomes a reality for our generation then um, one of the times besides the very beginning and the very end whether it be the end of all or the end of each individual travelers um, existence I would think besides those two times the third time that 
one of the three times people will want to see is the time that Jesus walked the earth and actually witnessed the miracles themselves and witnessed for themselves if it was divine or if it was magic tricks as some people try to put it off as. So I think this is a verse that sort of um, points to that. Um, Jesus saying that to his disciples that that's one of the times that um, in all of existence that people would want to see if we could see it. Um, so anyway, and I obviously, I guess another time would be when our loved ones were with us. That would be another time that we want to see. But anyway, so and that's what happened in Luke chapter 10. We're going to pick up where we left. We're um, in Luke chapter 11 now. Um, let me just make sure everything's going okay here. So excuse me. Pick up Luke chapter 11 verse 1. I'm still getting used to this. Luke um, 11 verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, then one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So the disciples are asking Jesus when we pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's break it down bit by bit. Jesus is saying when you pray, the first thing to do is give reverence to God, the Father, God, the Creator, the Almighty God, in other words. The God you think of, no matter what your religion is, as being the beginning of everything. That Whatever that God is to you, number one, that's the first thing you do. Revere, give reverence to God when you pray. And he's saying... um, um, that's what hallowed means, show honor to it, basically. Your kingdom come, um, so um, that would be heaven, as I think that's what I would think, um, since that's where God's kingdom would be, in at least in my understanding of things. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the verse that make, that is the reason that I named this mess, this lesson, uh, plurality of existences, because of existence, because it's... Um, it points to two different places. The place where God is, right here, as it says, um, in God's kingdom where his will, where God's will is done. He's saying that's how it is done in God's kingdom in heaven, as in other words, but not necessarily on earth. Otherwise, why would you have to pray for it? So he's saying the very first thing, besides giving God glory, honor, hallowing God, um, not calling any particular name, no matter what any church may tell you, Jesus never calls God Yah, El, Jehovah, none of that. Yahweh, Yahovah, Yahshua, none of that. He calls God none of that throughout any of the Gospels. I mean, it's possible in some other sacred book that he does. But throughout all the Gospels, he calls God Father, he calls God God, and calls God Lord. Um, those are the only three I think of. And he calls himself one with God at some point. But um, so anyway, um, the thing, the opening thing I thought was interesting there. It lets us know that yes, God's will, God's will is done um, in heaven. That's why Jesus is saying that we have to pray for God's will also to be done on earth. So that means human will apparently, or the will of evil, or just being on the earth, the experience of life um, is also. Um, has a will that gets done but jesus is saying pray to god's will that's done in heaven also be done here on earth 
So that means there's options. Give us day by day our daily bread. In the physical sense, that means provide for us. And even in the spiritual sense, it means provide for us. You're asking God to provide for us whatever uh, physical nourishment you need, but we need, but also whatever um, sort of spiritual or sometimes just divine um, uh, extra hand, whatever it is that we need provisions for, that's what you're praying for in that verse. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So to break that part down bit by bit, says, so obviously forgiveness, that's clear. If you want to be forgiven, you have to be forgiving. That doesn't mean you have to continue whatever connection it is you have with the person. In one case, Jesus says, let them be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. If the point comes when you try to be peaceful with someone, you try to let them know you've offended them and they just refuse to accept it or much less apologize for it. Then And then you even try bringing along two or three witnesses to establish what you're saying, to make your case, in other words. And they still refuse to see that they're being the way they are. And um, at some point, then after all that, after you've tried to seek peace, basically, and pursue it, Jesus, even Jesus says, let them be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Basically, you avoid them. But, um, so, um, but Jesus, that doesn't mean you don't forgive. You all, you can still forgive and avoid. Sometimes that's for the health of the relationship. Um, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation. So um, that lets us know that you have to ask God not to. As I said before, I don't know whether it's the case or not. But it seems like a lot of things in life are prearranged. And then you're given choices. Whether you do right or you do wrong. And it's up to you what kind of um, fruit you'll bear from those choices. Because whether you do good or whether you do evil, you still reap what you sow. Um, and so, um, I guess in this verse, Jesus is asking us for asking God is telling us to ask God not to set up any situations where we'll, where we'll fall into that temptation. Um, you know, we know how weak we are. And then you, to finish, you say uh, you request deliverance from the evil one. And it's not capitalized, so it's not letting us know. It's not necessarily pointing to a devil or the devil proper, as you may think of it. But the evil one, and maybe in some Bibles it is capitalized to refer to as a proper noun, uh, the devil. But in this situation, in this gospel right here, in this Bible, it's saying um, the evil one and the sense of evil, the force of evil as one, no matter what form it takes deliver us from that as the party of the end of that prayer uh, and then that's it that's where Jesus ends that um, what's referred to as the Lord's Prayer basically um, truly it is the model prayer the way to pray um, and he said to them which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves so he, uh, Jesus is giving us an example of human nature and how it works. When you, um, if you need something from a friend and you're going to them at, you know, middle of the night, midnight, and asking them for help because you need some food, even food, and you go to a friend, how's your friend going to greet you um, in the middle of the night because you want some food? Uh, for a friend of mine that's come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. So not only is it that you need food, but you're also needing the food because 
someone else is in need of the food who's come to you a traveler on the journey who's probably a stranger to the person who you're disturbing in the middle of the night and he will answer from within and say do not trouble me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed i cannot rise and give to you so he's saying in this scenario in this hypothetical situation if that happened to you most likely your friend will hit you up on a text and let you know i can't be bothered don't bother with me that let you know to go go by the 7-eleven go pick it up somewhere else obviously by then they didn't have that as an option excuse me but it lets you know that it's a situation where your friends turn to you because it's all that's left and um i say to you though he will not rise and give them because he is his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs so jesus is saying here that even though it's not the friendship and the bond or even the need that of the person seeking it that will make the one who's able to give the help do it but it's the persistence that will do it and i think this actually speaks to the black lives matter movement and any um any sort of um social justice movement it lets you know it, the powers that be may not do what they're supposed to do because they're supposed to do it or because you ask them to but because of persistence because your um diligence is it it's what will get the job done or make them get up and do what it is you want them to do for you so um similarly i think that's what jesus is saying here it's not any sense of um friendship that's making the friend who you go to at midnight do it it's not any sort of urgency on the friend's part because they know you don't have what it takes to entertain the traveler the foreigner the stranger in this case most likely who's come to you on their way so it's not any of that that'll make them do it but it's the fact that you're persistent so in this message i think jesus is saying don't give up don't give up the struggle um so i so i say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you so jesus is saying here again be persistent just like in the situation of the friend knocking at the door in the middle of the night for the friend that doesn't ordinarily wouldn't want to be bothered he's saying be persistent whatever it is you're seeking whatever it is you say you're looking for put your back into it and seek it seeking you'll find knocking will be open to you for everyone who asks receives new seeks finds and then who knocks it will be open so i don't this is the part like i've said before when it comes to like the loss of my mother for instance and um i obviously asked for her deliverance from it i asked for her healing from the cancer that took her life and everything and didn't get it even asked with uh family members well, at least i didn't get it uh in a lasting sense she went into remission for a while but then she was gone but um so it it makes i don't know what jesus means in this part where he says ask and you'll receive it other than the fact that i do believe the things you say have power so if you put um the the energy into the words you say that's what you're gonna have i think that's what he's saying here i'm not sure why it didn't work with my mother i don't know maybe someday i'll get an answer but at this point he's saying um whatever it is in life that it is you're looking for that's where you put your energy seek that and say it ask it and it, um there's power in it if a son asks for bread from any father among you will he give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent instead of a fish 
So he's saying even if among humans, um, as ratchet as humans can be, he's saying if even we uh, know how to give our kids, and I don't have any, thank God, but if we know how to give our kids what it is they want, then surely God is able or will um, respond favorably to the things he sees that his kids want. And I say he, and I use that pronoun because it's the one that at least here it says Jesus does. Um, we've talked about that before. We'll go ahead and get into it when we cross it again, God willing, as far as gender and God and everything if a son but just on a i mean in case you don't know or haven't heard it before if you believe the bible itself and you look to the old testament even the old testament itself says that um if you're going to believe it adam was created in the form of divine uh, divinity and the adam that was created was trans or hermaphroditic hermaphroditic or intersex or something if you believe the bible and it says that very clearly that's what Adam was because at some point Eve was taken out of him and was created. So whether you want to accept it or not, that's what it says. So that's the only reason I say he is. And it's because at least according to this, although in, I don't think in Hebrew there is actually a, a specific pronoun when it comes to certain statements. I think the same pronoun can be used for he, she, and it. And it's based around what the subject is. But that's another subject anyway so anyway if um so he's saying if even we know how to do give our kids your kids you know how to give your kids what it is they want um god knows the same feeling or if he asks for an egg will he offer him a scorpion so he's saying not only does god know the feeling but is he gonna give you the opposite of what it is you're asking for or much worse give you something dangerous and again like i said i don't know how this makes sense in the grand scheme of things with uh the loss of my mother but then in reality i know there are things that i do that all of us do that don't necessarily um lengthen the time that we're here on earth and can actually shorten the time we're here on earth um even though it seems we already have a predetermined path but i think that's only when the right choices are made i don't know and when wrong choices are made i think it leads us into another predetermined wrong path and there are warning signs along the way. So God only knows. But it, um, I think what Jesus is saying here. That it, when God already knows the desire of our heart. Before we even pray for it and ask for it. Even if if we as humans know how to give what it is our kids are seeking. Or your kids are seeking. Then uh, similarly God will do the same thing. Being higher in thought than we are. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus is saying, if human nature tells people how to give kids what it is they seek from them, won't God do that? Wouldn't God, wouldn't that be like a minimum, a bar, a low bar for God to clear? Uh, excuse me. And he was casting out a demon and it was mute. So it was when the demon when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So um, a couple of things there. Notice that it said that he was casting out a demon. So the person was demon possessed. 
and also mute. So it's not putting the muteness, the inability to speak on the demon or demon, demonic possession. So don't conflate the two and make it, don't get the mistaken idea that that's what's happening there. And also it's not in red. So Jesus didn't actually say it, but at any rate, the demon was cast out and the person was healed. And so rather than be glad about the healing and the deliverance, the, um, you see there, the, um, people some of them said he's doing it by demonic like basically by witchcraft or voodoo or some sort of evil that's how he's able to accomplish these things by Beelzebub that's like a demonic a proper name of a demonic spirit or an another spirit because I don't want to pin demon in demonics on it I don't know but it's a it's it's a name of an, a, a, a spirit is what Beelzebub is and it's listed throughout the Bible and even worshipped by some of the um, um, the Israelites in the Bible as Baal and of ba Baal of Zebub like an area so you can read about it yourself in the Old Testament where it's actually revered that spirit so but here it's referred to as a demon an evil thing and even in the Old Testament it's listed as an evil thing by some and by others it was who they worship others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven so not only do they think he's doing these things uh, by demonics um satanism that sort of thing um and that, that and don't get me wrong they obviously believe there's power in those so it's not like they think it's a joke they he they're not denying that he's actually doing the the exorcisms and the healings because i mean if somebody can't speak and suddenly they can Obviously, something's happened. A healing has happened, so it's sort of, sort of undeniable. But the religious people are letting him know that they think he's doing it by demons. And if he's not doing it by demons, then give them a sign, is what they're saying. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, "Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against the house falls." So Jesus is basically pointing to the, an example would be civil war when. A body disagrees with itself like a cancer then it falls you have to have unity in a body you have to have unity in a nation you have to have unity in a house and that's what Jesus is saying here otherwise it falls and he's saying um, if Satan also is divided against himself how will his kingdom stand because you say I cast out demons by bills above so he's saying so if there's a civil war going on between Satan and um, and his house, his um, power, his dominion, then how in the world is that lasting? How is the world, how in the world, um, how is in the world, would that even be an issue for them? Why wouldn't they be able to handle it then? But also, how, in the, but truly, how will it stand if you really believe there's that division? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. So Jesus is saying, if I am doing these things by evil spirits or by Beelzebub as they as its name, um, he's saying, well, then who are your people? Who are your kid? Who are your um, your religious people casting them out? How are you doing it? And of course, the answer would be they aren't able to do it. Otherwise, the person wouldn't have been walking around demon possessed. And remember, when Jesus gave um, power over serpents and scorpions and a, and a, a metaphor for demons. And um, just so you don't think I'm making it up, um, we're at chapter nine, verse 19 here. When Jesus did that, when he sent them out, he gave them the power over, where is it? Uh, here, 
Okay. So he said very clearly, I saw past tense Satan, that'd be the devil, fall like lightning from heaven. So in an instant, just like lightning is seen one from one end of the world, to, from one end of one area to the other. Jesus is saying just that vividly he saw Satan fall when they were out on their mission dealing with, because you see it says they returned with joy, saying the demons were subject to them in Christ's name. So um, here Jesus is saying very clearly, behold, I give you them, the disciples, not us, the authority to trample, trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And clearly even Jesus Jesus gave this to the disciples exclu exclusively, not necessarily us, followers now. Because again, that's who he's talking to as they returned. And um, it was after they went out and when they returned, not us. And also, so it lets us know they do exist. And um, But also, you know that he wasn't talking about forever. It was only for that time when they were going out because... Um, the power of the enemy overtook almost all of them in killing them at some point, the disciples. So again, don't think that it's something we have uh, power over, generally speaking. Some may, but don't think that that's something that Jesus gave everyone power over the demons that plague people in life. Um, whether they be spiritual or whatever. Uh, or whatever. So um, anyway, we're back here at 19. Um... So he's saying, if I'm if I'm doing by devils, how are you doing it? Um, and let that be the judge. He's saying, so if I'm doing it by devils, then okay, the devils won. But if that's the case, then why didn't you do it? And by God, if that's the case, and the 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 truth is obvious. Obviously, he's doing it by God because why would devils benefit from uh, casting out of other devils? That'd be like uh, bandits giving money back to a bank. That's not what they do. But if I uh, cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he's saying, but if I'm doing this by the power of God, not by demonics as they accuse him of, then surely God is near to them. He's letting them know the presence of God is right there with them right then. They should be delighted about that. But instead, all they keep doing is looking for accusations and even trying to kill him. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. So Jesus is giving us an example of someone who's set up a fortress in their house, like that police officer who recently uh, saw someone through his uh, door. He saw a gun through the door and assumed it was a Black Lives Matter protester or something, allegedly, and then shot the person through the door and it turned out to be another cop. You can search it yourself and see. I have no reason to lie to you. But just like that, he's saying someone who's guarding their own palace is good to turn peace. You see, even that's changed now because obviously there was no peace in the house in that place in the first place if you feel like you need to answer the door armed with a gun. But that's what happened there. I mean, an example. But Jesus is saying when you're sitting at home and you feel like your house is your castle and you're guarded heavily armed like americans like to be then your house is at peace because you know you're going to blow the head off anybody who comes too close but he's saying but when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils so the one that would be coming on stronger than them would be if the government went down upon them 
or if the neighborhood turned on them or if a movement rose against them and said enough is enough whatever the case may be when uh, a stronger force comes along and um, busts up that confidence that you stood on for so long he's saying um, it's the it's just like when someone's guarding their own palace and things are at peace but then when something's stronger he's saying the fact that the the person was vulnerable to the demons apparently and taking over them but now someone stronger jesus the power of god is right there among them and able to overtake the demon and give him that peace again that people trust in He's saying, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So just like how the devil wouldn't go around doing good works like healing people, because why would he? So why would Jesus be doing that? He's saying, because they're united, the evil is united, no matter what form it takes. And he's and that'd be whether it's uh, the devil, a spiritual form, or the evil within people's hearts, like racism and discrimination, and that sort of form, or whatever it may be. The envy, the jealousy, that the all of that stuff. It's all evil, and it's all on the same side. And Jesus is saying here, the similarly the good is on the same side also and he's saying if that good is not gathered with him it's just gonna scatter doesn't mean it's not still good but it's gonna scatter you have to stay with the leader when an unclean spirit goes out of a man and and just to stay with the leader comment if you consider if the disciples even were as loyal as the MAGA base in the United States willing to overlook even their own health overlook even their own kids overlook the entire society they claim to be patriotic to in favor of someone who tells them to drink bleach or uh gets tested himself regularly and but for months tells you it's a hoax and then gets you infected and infecting your families and infecting your neighbors if jesus's base was half as dedicated at that as that he may not have ever been crucified in the first place and the kingdom might have been ushered in then but um clearly that's not what was meant to be that generation is now fully behind something that's not christ that's for sure uh when an unclean spirit goes out of a man he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none he says i'll return to my house from which i came so this gives us the um lot the the logic that a spirit uses when it's apparently not at rest and it's an unclean spirit jesus says here so this sort of debunks what people will tell you to be absent from the flesh is to be present with the lord clearly this unclean spirit is not present with the lord it's wandering around looking for some place to inhabit just like the one that jesus just cast out so that lets you know you can believe what paul or whoever it is wrote or taught that or you can believe what jesus says jesus is saying right here very clearly that that's not the case and um in fact when those evil spirits when that force it goes out it doesn't just rest or just go away it lasts and lives in a person's heart it lives in a person's existence and then when it um and when it comes he finds it swept and put in order so that's sort of like if you clear out all the bad if you don't replace it with the good then instead more evil will come with that bad again almost like an addiction if you 
clear yourself of an addiction something you you just hooked on you just can't resist whether it be a substance a drink a person an, an activity whatever the case may be if you don't get rid of that craving for that person and generally with humans replace it with some other activity or other um something else healthy then you're gonna not only go back to that addiction but you're gonna go back and be even worse with it because you're gonna think you just can't and just gonna keep going with it even worse similarly i think that's what jesus is saying with the possession excuse me saying the demons that plague you come back they return to you the demons return to you then he goes and takes with them seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter into well there in the last state of that man is worse than the first so again when you're trying to kick that evil demon that's plaguing you whatever form it's taking if you don't deal with it properly it returns sort of like the coronavirus if you don't deal with it properly if it made sense to shut down when there were just a few cases and you shut down everything and gave people financial assistance because you saw it's clear people need it but then now that cases are raging 15,000 plus a day to then say go back to normal without masks without testing with only about but just over under 5% of the total population even tested so far. If you don't understand what 5% is, that means if you get 20 people together, uh, if you get 100 people together, 20 of them, nah, I got that wrong. Five of them have been tested. That means that it, it's very, very little. That means that for every 100 people, only five have been tested. That's not a good grip on the whole situation six months in. And then you have a president that now wears a mask. Now, six months later, and the base doesn't have a brain to think, oh, wow, for six months he told us it was nothing, it was a hoax. Now he's wearing a mask, so it must not be a hoax. So what about what he told us before? They don't have that kind of thinking to put that together. So hopefully you have the sense to wear masks and wash your hands. But um, So similarly, those demons... If you don't deal with them, they come back. If you don't deal with the virus properly, it comes back. It's That's what Jesus is saying. And then the last state of the person is worse than the first. Because you fall into the addiction feeling hopeless. Um, in that case, you give in to the demons feeling hopeless. Um, and it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the woman that bore you and the breast which nursed you. So someone in the crowd is listening to what he says, or at least hearing him. Well, they're listening. They're within earshot, whether they're listening, actually actively listening, and actually hearing what he's saying to them is another story. But she's in earshot. And um, as he was speaking, she feels like she's going to say something blessed and profound by saying, Blessed is the woman that bore you. In other words, blessed is your mama and for, for, for bringing you into the world. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So even more than his mama, even more than blessing Jesus' mama who brought him into here, into the world, Jesus is saying, blessed are the people who not only hear the word, hear his words, but actually keep it. So he's saying that's what's blessed. That's who's blessed. Even more than his own mama who brought him out of her womb and nursed him with her breast. Jesus is saying even more than Mary herself, who's blessed, 
more than that blessed are those who hear the word of god and keep it so not only you have to hear what jesus has to say about things but you have to actually keep it and that's both are challenging but at least with hearing it you can memorize it if you hear it enough or in or see it i watch it on dvd actually um gospels to see them but um but not only hearing it you have to actually keep it and that's the part where people fall short myself included at times it's not just hearing it you have to actually do it you have to actually keep it and while the crowds were thickly gathered together he began to say this is an evil generation it seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of jonah the prophet so jesus is saying here he's calling them evil unfortunately and i don't know whether he's talking about just them or if he's talking about the whole um, generation of humanity that's um, in existence because it's generated it's not um, it's not um, I don't believe it just happened but it's a generation he's saying uh, and they're looking for signs even though Jesus is right they're with them and he's saying um, the only sign they're gonna get is the sign of the prophet Jonah so you know Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the giant fish that swallowed him or Jonah or whatever it was in the water that took him away for um, uh, three days Jesus is saying just like that was a sign to the Ninevites that was a people it's an actual place that still exists now um, in the Middle East obviously um, but he's saying just like in that situation you can read it in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament if you want to see about it but he's saying just like that was a sign to them for as Jonah became a sign to Ninevite, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. So he's saying just like Jonah in that story, in that um, passage in the Old Testament, was a sign to those people to get them to repent. He's saying similarly, that's what the Son of Man, Jesus, when he's saying himself in the third person, uh, will be to this generation. He's saying that's what he's going to be to them. He's going to be like a Jonah to them. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men. Oh, and you know, another thing about Jonah was the way that the people in the ship saved themselves was by tossing Jonah overboard, abandoning him, um, but believing him, what he had said, because he said it was, his, it was his fault that all those things were happening to them. So the people abandoned him and even prayed that God forgive them for killing if he died, his blood, uh, when they did it. So similarly, Jesus was going to be abandoned by humanity even his disciples most of them and um and uh the same way the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them for she came from the ends of the earth the hitter was the most solomon and indeed a greater than solomon is here this queen of the south is the same sheba that we were talking about before that's mentioned and even believed to be the mother of a Hebrew, a black Hebrew nation that's in Africa to this day, um, to be um, offspring from the same Sheba that went and saw Solomon. Um, but he's saying, Jesus is saying here that just like she, and it's in the Old Testament also, where she came from Africa up to where Solomon was in the, what we call the Holy Land, Palestine, Israel, whatever you want to call it, um, how she came from there to visit him. And, um, like I said, that faith believes that she went back pregnant with his children and a whole dynasty was um, born then. Um, Mena's, I forget his name, Menahem, maybe. Um, excuse me. Um, 
So anyway, that's what Jesus is referring to, who Jesus is referring to. And he's saying that she went through all that effort to come. Um, the Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment because she went through all that effort to hear the wisdom of Solomon in the sense of his spiritual guidance. She came from that great distance to do that. And this was before cars and planes um, to hear that. And he's saying, and even though she went through all that, they have someone even greater than Solomon right there. That'd be God himself in the form of Jesus right there with them. The men of Nineveh rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed a greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus is saying there, just like the people who repented at hearing Jonah's message. Because um, that's what Jonah was fleeing from having to go preach. Or go carry God's message to them. If you're going to believe that's God in the Old Testament. And that whole story. That's what happened there in the Old Testament. With Jonah and the people there. And he's saying they repented at hearing that. So um, Jesus is affirming that. It's that that did happen. The whole story of Jonah. And that those it was enough to make those people repent. Um, what Jonah went and had to say to them. And they weren't even Israelites. I think it was the Assyrian Empire. And again this is also history where um, the Assyrians are anyway Jonah may not be historically represented um, but he may I don't know but um, so anyway that's what Jesus is saying in both situations in the case of Jonah and the case of Solomon people were looking for something in the case of Solomon they were looking for um, the woman Sheba Queen Sheba was looking for wisdom and um, in the case of Jonah the people were looking for um relief in one as far as the town that he went to go save they were looking for repentance and they also got it they both got it but he's saying in both cases someone greater than both of them is right there with them only they don't recognize it no one when he has lit a lamp puts it in a secret place or under a basket but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light so that's just like common sense you don't waste energy of turning on a lamp or turning on the light on your phone or lighting a candle and then putting it in a cabinet or in a box or in a closet and then closing the door or something it with you not in there it doesn't make sense um, the lamp of the body is the eye therefore when your eye is good your whole body also is full of light when your eye is bad your whole your body also is full of darkness so this is the sense of when this is sort of like how people say the eyes are the window of the soul that sort of thing where you can see uh, people's hearts through their eyes many times and it's like you can see the sadness in their eyes you can see the joy in people's eyes you can see even the evil and the deceit or they about to snap in people's eyes many times and Jesus is saying that's what the bodies are you can sort of see that light or darkness through um, the eyes therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness so he's saying just like you can see the light in people's eyes, you can also see that evil and the darkness that lives in someone's eyes, lives in someone's heart through their eyes. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. It's almost like radiance. Uh, I don't know if he means figuratively or spiritually or literally, maybe all three at some point or different points. But he's saying let that be light in you and let it shine don't hide it is the point i believe jesus is making and as he spoke a certain pharisee asked him to dine with him so he went in and sat down to eat when the pharisee saw saw it he marveled that he, he that he had not first washed before dinner 
So I don't think this is sort of like the washing your hands um, thing like we have to do, should be, do, should be doing anyway, but um, do more uh, regularly and thoroughly now with coronavirus and all going around. But it's also, it's similarly, it's a washing that's required by the religion in the Old Testament um, uh, before you eat or whatever, at least in their traditions. And that's what they're bringing up there. They're wondering why you're not following our religious traditions, basically. Then the Lord said to them, now you Pharisees made the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. So the Pharisees, religious people, he's saying, um... They make, make it look good on the outside. They wash the outside of the cup and the dish. They're not worried about what's on the inside. They could actually be serving you a, uh, out of a nasty cup, is what Jesus is saying here in a figurative sense. He's saying the outside, you appear righteous and holy because you wear the long robes or you stand in the pulpit and uh, or you tell people what it is they need to be doing or for whatever reason, people hold you to that high level even if it's just, um, you know, because it's like a cult. Whatever the case may be, he's saying you make the outside look good, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. So he's saying the inside is not good, no matter how the outside appears. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? So he's saying don't neglect one while you take care of the other. If you're concerned about the appearances on the outside, make sure what's on the inside of you is also just as well maintained and just as clean and right, not uh, filth. But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. So he's saying in their heart and their um, religion, keep up those appearances, make it look holy on the outside. Then um, as for what's on the inside, you don't have to pay attention to that. And if there is something on the inside that bothers you, then just give alms, give a donation and let it go. And it'll be forgiven you. He's saying, sort of like how some churches do with divorces. They'll let you have a divorce or absolve you of the divorce if you pay, if you break them off some money. And then you're free to go to uh, marry again if you want to. Uh, or at least use their building to do it with their blessing. Uh, not every religion, obviously, but some do operate that way. Excuse me. Excuse me. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus is saying, okay, well, if you're going to attend to the stuff that's on the outside and make the, uh, that look good, you, um, you're woe to you. That's like the opposite of blessings. That's like, I feel for you. I'm sorry for you. It's bad for you. It's not good. He's letting them know because you tithe all this stuff. You give those alms that you just, that he just mentioned. And you think that giving your tithe is going to make up for it. He's saying, but you, and which you should do. He's saying, that's why he says here, these you ought to have done. So you should do that uh, giving, that religious giving. He's saying, but you pass by justice and the love of God. That's what we call social justice you don't think about your fellow man and where they're at and what they're experiencing and i'm sorry i forgot to silence my phone and i don't have any clothes on so i can't get up and go get it and i don't want to interrupt the lesson so i'm just gonna keep reading so forgive me um so anyway he's saying for woe to you pharisees um there you go 
Sorry about that. So he's saying, these y'all have done without leaving the others undone. So he says, yeah, do your giving, do your tithing, but make sure you also concern yourself with justice and the love of God. That'd be actually loving God, loving your neighbors, yourself. You know, those Ten Commandments. Focus on those two. Vote of you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. He's saying they love the show of it all, the, the keeping the cup clean on the outside. They love that part of it. They love looking holy and righteous to people in church. They say, um, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. He's saying it's really bad for you, feel really bad for you, sorry for you, woe to you, because you're just like a grave. And, you know, that means there's death inside there. And whether people know it or not, he's saying you're, it's a... Uh, there's a casket there. It's got a dead body in it. And it's not marked. So people are walking over it and they don't even realize that you're dead. And he's saying the same things with them. They appear holy, but inside they're a dead men's bones. They're not alive. And he's saying they don't even realize it. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. So now you have the lawyers, which are scripture lawyers, um religious lawyers, people who basically focused on the scriptures and they let you know oh, that's wrong, oh, that's right, and give you the lowdown on what's right and wrong, just like lawyers do with the law of the land. It's what they do with the, um, their religion. And he's saying, um, so they're saying, oh, 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 wait, you're talking down on us now too, not just these Pharisees, is what the lawyers are saying to him. And he says to them, oh, do you also lawyers? For you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. So he's saying, so he's saying, yeah, I'm aiming at you two lawyers. It's not just for the religious leaders. It's for you um, religious lawyers. Also, the ones who basically are the, let, like I just said, who know what the law is as far as the spiritual laws and let you know when you're breaking it. They don't concern themselves with it. They do what they want, much like politicians. But they let you know what you can do and what it is your what your boundaries are and where it is that you got you've got to be. So he's saying that's how they're operating also, and he's saying they um, don't touch the burdens themselves, so they don't limit themselves to the rules that they set up. They won't touch that with one finger. He's saying, um, "Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them." So he's saying that's what they do. It's all about the show. It's about like these confederate monuments they don't don't um they don't include the context of them at all in uh, with the monument they certainly don't teach it in school because i went to one of the best schools in my uh, county my folks made sure of that when i was a kid and they absolutely didn't teach any of the stuff of what the confederacy and what all that stood for and what they did nothing about the rapes nothing about the genital rapes of both men and women males and females nothing about even the forefathers having um children from the slave people they kept enslaved and also forcing themselves on them and having children from them and then also denying those children the benefit that they gave their white children didn't teach any of that in my school, so I'd be surprised if they taught it in yours. So that's one of the things that the president is right. How people are, there's a, a force out there trying to rewrite history and, um, and shame it. 
the force has already happened. It's already rewritten history. If you look at your history books, I didn't learn any of those things, but all of those things are true. Much less, I certainly didn't learn just till like a couple of years ago that reparations have already been paid, but not to the slaves. The reparations were paid to the slave owners to give up the slaves. So all of that's happened. People were paid per slave money to give up the slaves. And even with all that, you have people who want to fly a Confederate flag now. Treason, because it was a flag that fought against the United States. That represents people who fought against the United States. And it's more than one flag. But whatever the case may be, the cause, because all the evil is on one side there, is fighting against the United States. They got paid for giving up people who they were keeping enslaved, raping and having children from beating and killing and lynching. And still their relatives, their descendants, want to wave the flag and still play the victim and make it seem like the people who were the victims are looking for too much when it comes to reparations that they've already received and benefit from. It's madness. But that's reality of what's happening in the United States. If you don't believe me, again, you can search it yourself. All of what I said is true. But he's saying that's what they do. They kill the prophets and then lift them up as wonderful spiritual examples. Sort of like in the old, if you read about the prophets in the Old Testament who were tormented from town to town in some cases, and in some cases killed. I think Micah of Morsheth was one um, that ended up killed. Um, but then after they're killed, they write them in the scripture and revere them as one of the holy prophets of the Old Testament. He's saying that's what they do. And he's saying, he's saying they're children of the people who do the same thing. And he's saying you kill them and then you build a monument to them and say how holy and wonderful they are. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers for they indeed killed them and you build their tombs. So he's saying similarly, that's what, um, that's what he's saying that's what they do. They kill the prophets and then build a monument to them and say how wonderful they were. And um, Martin Luther King, they kill him and then build a monument to him and say how wonderful he was. Abe Lincoln, and not saying anyone's perfect, but build a, build a monument and say how wonderful he was after you kill him. It's, he's saying that's apparently a part of human nature that just doesn't die very easily. It's something people keep doing until people learn from it, if people ever learn from it. Um, therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. So Jesus is saying, uh, God, the wisdom of God itself is saying, he's saying God's wisdom, prophets and holy people and people who actually do believe will be sent by God, but uh, they're going to be sent to be killed and persecuted. It's crazy that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed on, from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. He's saying so that it's it's all for a cause that all the good, the one, like I said, the evil's all on one side. And like Jesus said, if you're not with them, you're against them. And if you're against them, you're going to scatter abroad. So all the good is on one side. So all of that's happening, all the persecution, all the bloodshed, he's saying it's happening that it will be required of this generation and like i said that could mean the generation back then who crucified him or it could mean this generation of humanity uh, or inhumanity that exists now or it could mean the ones that exist in the end or it could mean them all it's not clear but he's saying of this generation from the blood of abel so this lets us know at least looking back abel would be the son one of the sons of adam and eve the one that was killed 
um, to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it should be required, required of this generation. So this is letting us know there is a time limit to what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying the, the bloodshed from Abel, that's the son of um, Adam and Eve that was killed by his brother, from the shedding of his blood to the shedding of the blood of Zechariah, who's mentioned in the Old Testament uh, as a prophet in the Old Testament, who apparently also was killed. Jesus is saying all their, both their deaths and all the deaths in between them, that would be, I would assume, I would presume he's talking about of the prophets, are going to be required of this generation. So it probably, he, it seems he is talking about the generation that's at last has rejected all the prophets, even though they kill them and they don't build their tombs and their monuments, but reject them. Because they're rejecting Jesus, the one that they pointed to, that the prophets pointed to. So he's saying it's all going to be required of that generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. So he's saying, I think what Jesus is saying here, the lawyers would be the ones who hold the truth. And that would be, in modern times, it would be the Vatican Church that holds all these old scriptures and the ones that didn't make it into the Bible. But they hold them and hoard them and lock them away so that people won't know or won't have any idea of what the whole truth is. But only whatever truth it is, they've decided to make available to us. So there's what's in the Bible, but then there are other holy books that didn't make it in the Bible. And then there are other books that survived, even like the fire of the Library of Alexandria in Africa from ages ago that survived there, but only exist in the Vatican are not available here, even online, much less to go see in person. Um, but, but that's the part that the scripture lawyers, the people who who um, know what the scriptures are and have access to them and control of them he's saying that's what they do they take away the knowledge from other people they don't use it themselves to enter into life and salvation and find the way themselves but they also hinder they don't use it for themselves but they also hinder other people from trying to get it too and that exists even to this day whether you believe in conspiracies and secret societies and illuminatis and all of that or not Jesus is letting us know that that's, there's an active force that does work on that, taking away the knowledge rather than adding to it. Um, and it exists even beyond spiritual things and religious things. It exists in government. It exists in society. Um, conditioning and things like that. All the truth, the truth is out there, but it's not always, it's many, many times concealed. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and the cross examined him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. So they're still on that to where they're trying to accuse. There's nothing about hearing what he has to say, certainly nothing about trying to change their ways and not uh, hide the truth or persecute people or seek fault or um, any of that, or lose the darkness and find the light, none of that. They're not interested in any of his message, only in trying to cross-examine him and lying in wait so they can accuse him. And um, eventually it worked. Eventually there was the crucifixion. But um, anyway, that actually ends this reading. I hope it's a blessing to you. I appreciate you checking it out. 
And um, as always, I'm going to pick up God willing in just a moment with um, John chapter 11, where we left off there, since it's Wednesdays, John with Wednesdays, and we'll pick up um, God willing this Wednesday. So uh, Saturday night, we'll, I think, wrap up the book of Revelation just after midnight, early Sunday morning. And then we have our Matt and Mark Mondays, if you want to join me for that sometime. So in the meantime, wash your hands, take care of yourself, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and be safe. Thanks again. God bless you. Peace.